The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hello and happy Thursday, everybody. 401, your start time here on the Full Court Press, 1069, 1390 AM, and 1069thefan.com. Thanks for joining us. However, and wherever you're doing so, Eric France and Ajay Salveson for another edition of the Full Court Press. Got a good day in sports. Hopefully, an exciting announcement coming, if not tonight, tomorrow. It would have to come tomorrow. Mount West Conference meets tonight, or I guess this late afternoon, and then meets tomorrow again. When that decision will be made about whether or not football will happen is yet to be determined. Pac-12, same thing. They'll have a meeting. Actually, they're having a meeting right now at 3 o'clock, and then uh, they'll have a meeting tomorrow as well. Their decision, again, is pending whether when that announcement will be made. So that's always fun. Yeah, it sounds like that the California – Doing making some changes that would allow larger groups to gather for athletic practices, therefore making it a, a, a available for these teams to to have practices and to compete. Uh, so it's kind of opening up there. However, things are going a little bit backwards around Boulder, Colorado, which may make it a little more problematic for the Buffaloes. And there's there's been some debate and some question whether. Everybody starts at the same time in the Pac-12. And if is it a, a staggered start? Will the Mountain West do something similar? Will some schools start as early as the 24th and some as late as the 7th? Okay, if they start as late as the 7th, they're not going to get all their games in, though, right? Yeah, if they're, they're shooting for a conference title game on the 19th. Because we, we counted the weeks. Or do they say, you know what? We're pretty confident you're not going to be in the running for a conference title. So you go ahead and start on November 7th. But here's San the thing. Jose State. Okay, so we say that, right? But then what if, for example, Fresno State or New Mexico, who's given a late start, then does make a run and they're within that opportunity, but they've played less games? Then we have a problem on our hand, and it's on the Mountain West Conference hands. Look, I'm, I'm with the assumption that you protect – Yourself, meaning the Mountain West Conference protects the Mountain West Conference. Don't do anything aside from that. You make one, you, this is your chance to make a good decision, do the right thing with the right protocol and the right scheduling and have everybody on the same page. You have this one chance. Don't screw it up. <laughs> Don't yeah, mess it good up. Good luck with that. Now, but well, we say good luck with that. I'm more like, look, the Pac 12 is going to find a way to. Just absolutely blow this one apart. Yeah, and they've they've had an opportunity to own the restart for almost a full month. Yeah, September third is when they came out with the testing announcement. We are now at September twenty fourth, and they have two meetings today and tomorrow. Saucy. the The good news is what from what we've heard, Eric, is that there is optimism that they, we will have a football season. Whether on the 24th or the 31st, or however it looks, we will have a football season. Yeah, that, that's you're, you're right. I mean, the bottom line here is that the, there is an expectation. It looks like things are moving forward. They're moving in that direction where that could happen. Uh, you, in the Mountain West, the athletic directors met earlier this week. 
And um, I don't know why my... That's nice. Uh, (laughs) But anyway, they met earlier this week and they basically laid it out. Like, this is what we think we can do. We think we can really pull this off. But ultimately, it's up to the university presidents to sign off on it. And sometimes they see things in a different light and they have different priorities and they uh, they sometimes have different agendas. Hey, I'm reading, this is, I'm going to make sure I check this to make sure it's not just some bull crap. Um, this doesn't make any sense at all. Someone is saying Pac-12 will begin games on November 7th. Each team will play five conference games and one regional game. Regional games so far will be USC will USC versus San Diego State. Arizona will play UNLV. Utah will play BYU. Due to lack of games, teams will not be eligible for the college football playoff. Wow, who's saying that? Pac-12 Sports Resource. Again, wow. like, you take everything with caution when you look at it, especially when it's on social media. I, uh... I don't know. Uh, I would not be totally confident that that's going to be the case. Because, again, if that is, then UNLV and San Diego State, they that screws over the Mountain West Conference because they need conference opponents. Again, I might be missing something here, so I'm going to be really careful. Well, Dennis Dodd earlier this week, uh, CBS Sports reporting that there is momentum that's building for the Mountain West. It would follow the Big Ten model in its start date and conference title date. However, they do need to to approve their own testing protocols. So, you know, ADs would love to get something going, and this looks like a plan, but. Got to get uh, the medical board on on uh, online. You got to get the presidents online. So, nine three one five Eric he texts in and says we'll be in time the Mount West Conference season or at least to start to have a chance at a New Year's Six. If we start on October twenty fourth, that is a definite yes. Thirty first is still a yes. It's got to start one of those two weeks so to have a shot. That's why your conference championship game would be on December nineteenth. And then, so if you start on the 24th, you've got room. If you start on the 31st, you still have a little bit of room. No room for error, though, especially on the 31st. But you definitely have your shot at a New Year's Six if you qualify. But you know what? I think you brought this up earlier in the week, Eric, that the New Year's Six Bowl in regards to G5 is really... uh, There's not a lot of room. UCF is in that group. I, uh, Cincinnati. Cincinnati, there is no room for the Mountain West, I, if I can be very honest. Well, the AAC, right I mean, look at the history of the New Year Six and how it's been working. And the Mountain West hasn't had a lot of representation there. Boy, so yeah, we're just kind of sitting on pins and needles now, right? Just waiting for a uh, waiting for an answer. Again, the Mountain West uh, Conference was uh, scheduled to have their meeting this I don't know if it's late afternoon or early afternoon. I say late afternoon, actually. According to, to uh, Dennis Dodd's uh, report that he put out, well, first, uh, Yahoo 
Sports, Pete Thamel, he he first reported on Monday that the, there was an optimism in the Mountain West about a return to play. And then uh, Dennis Dodds followed up and uh, did his own reporting. And one of the quote that he got quotes that he got from a Mountain West source, which is unnamed, is I don't think everybody has an illusion. Everybody is going to play the same amount of games, close quote. So does Mountain West say, this is our start date. We're going to go, whether you're ready or not. Because they're looking at when they need to be done in order to qualify for bowl games. But you know what? Everybody's talking about bowl games and New Year's Six and all this stuff. I haven't really seen much of anything from the traditional organized bowl committees. Are we still going to have these bowl games? Are all these bowl games going to happen? I mean, we've heard from the college football playoff. That is going to happen. But is there going to be a bowl game in Boise in December? Is there going to be a bowl game in New Mexico? Las Vegas? If you can't have fans in the stands, is it really economically feasible for these bowl committees, these people who run and operate these bowls, to still even hold them? I know they've they've changed the requirements. You don't have to have you know six wins. You have to be at least at a five hundred winning percentage. So if you're going to play eight games, if you win four, you you could be bowl eligible. So it, there's all this talk about bowl eligibility and being able to go to some of these bowls. But what we don't know, what we haven't really heard a lot, is will there even be a lot of bowls? Which bowls are just going to get canceled and won't happen? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so if we're trying to meet some, you know, uh, deadline of games to be done in order to qualify for bowls, turns out these bowls don't exist. Would it have been smarter to just make sure you have everything lined up properly so everybody can participate at the same time? And some teams get left out because you're trying to meet some false deadline? Uh, According to 7220 Sports on Twitter, the Wyoming governor, Governor Gordon, just talked about his desire to play or for the Pokes to play football. Said he wrote Craig Thompson asking him to pave a path for Wyoming athletics, whether or not the entire conference can play or not. Uh. Gordon also said he has spoken with the governor of Idaho, who shares the same feelings. Governor uh, Gordon said he talked with Craig Bull. Bull reiterates the fact that his team has zero positives from June on, and Gordon praises the players for being safe. Uh, that he didn't just focus on football, said it's there for see, Wyoming to play golf, volleyball, soccer, etc. Uh, said we should have that news very soon. I Well, I'd imagine if the conference plays football, Wyoming's going to play. If the conference doesn't have football, Wyoming has nobody to play. There's just nobody there to play, especially this late. No. It's too late. So, hey, uh, who's the first one to make a decision, you think? Mount West? Or who's the first one to announce? Mount West or Pac-12? Uh, fair question. I think it's probably more complicated in the Pac-12. So, I, I think the Mountain West could make their announcement first. 
because for some reason, Pac-12 seems to complicate things, and they don't always have to. Mm. They find ways to make it more complicated. Uh, just see Exhibit A. This. Well, I guess Exhibit A would be the uh, the shutdown, and then Exhibit B would be this, and there's more exhibits to show as proof of evidence that they have an issue uh, over there in California. Uh, and the other the other problem is, is look, people want to bag on Craig Thompson as a Mount West commissioner for whatever reasons or various reasons. Nobody's worse than Larry Scott. That is absolutely positively proof of everything that's gone on. Okay, so there's a question about bowl games. Now, I found something that uh, talks about bowls. Now, granted, this is about a month old. There's been significant movement and change since this was posted um, because there were – it talks about how um, not not very many teams were, were playing and uh, only 41 bowls uh, or were – 41 bowls are still scheduled, which will require 82 teams to fill, but there were not even, there were only about 76 teams playing in the in the fall before uh, the Big Ten announcement. But uh, there's all but one bowl that are still on. I guess the Red Box Bowl, they dropped out because uh, the uh, struggles with the location. But uh, for at least according to about a month ago, um, a lot of the bowls are still on. ESPN owns a lot of them. So what bowls? So they'll be intrigued. They'll be. They'll want to push forward just to make it happen. All right. So again, what bowls from the Mountain West Conference tie-ins are still alive? Uh, well, there's the Potato Bowl. The Arizona Bowl. Uh, there's the Los Angeles Bowl. That's, now. that's for the number one seed, by the way. Yep. In that new SoFi Stadium. Yep. That'd be a Mountain West school versus a Pac-12 school. So that's that's a gorgeous bowl, or it's mean a gorgeous stadium with a great bowl matchup. But That'd see, be it, it, if so, if the Mountain West, Pac-12, and the MAC all decide within this week that they're going to return, then everybody's back playing. Mm-hmm. So these matchups, these bulls, like the Mountain West versus the MAC in a couple of these, now it can happen. Mountain West versus the Pac-12, now it could happen. But those bulls normally get going. Look at the calendar. I mean, they would have to be... If you play in the conference championship game, the very next week you'd be in a bowl game. Pre-Christmas bowl game. Yeah. If they're going to try to hold to their normal schedule. Well, no. I'll, well, Or they all get moved back. I was going to say, they probably all get moved back because the pre-Christmas bowl game is one week later. Uh, let's see, 19th to the 26th, which would be a Saturday. So, I honestly, it'd be the 26th and on is my guess. I don't think they'd make them come down because you have, if they would do it, you know, a little get-together or festivity thing, socially distanced, however it would be handled. And then that second week... I mean, or I guess they didn't have the bowl game that week. So I think uh, some teams would play on the 26th. You see a lot of day after Christmas bowl games. Uh, or you might see a couple Christmas Day games, but I think everything else would be the week after, including January 1st and 2nd, which originally is the New Year's 6, ends up being the Potato Bowl. Could you imagine the Idaho Potato Bowl being on the 26th? Ugh. 
Well, it's usually around that right before Christmas. Uh, it's, yeah, 21st yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's right before Christmas. Yeah, that's a good point. But, dude, come on. Like, December 26th, right after Christmas, and you're in the Idaho Potato Bowl. <laughs> go, yeah. go spend your Christmas there you up go. in Boise. Now you get where I'm going with that. That's just not attractive at all. Uh, but right now, as of right now, there's only been one bowl that's been canceled, and that's a Red Box Bowl. No big deal. Hey, what was the bowl last year that was canceled? Oh, it was armed. Uh, no, it wasn't armed forces. It was the, uh, what bowl game was that last year that was canceled or postponed? Um, due to weather? I can't remember what the reason Oh, was. was that the one that Boise was supposed to go to? Yeah. In Texas? Versus Boston College. Because yeah, it just rained. A torrential downpour. Yeah. And they decided to call it. Yeah. That's right. Forgot about that. So we'll see. Uh, Pac-12 again is in meetings currently right now, and then there will be meetings uh, for Mount West Conference today. Both conferences have meetings tomorrow, supposedly, uh, and then we will hear from there. We'll wait to see what the uh, final uh, final answer is. Uh, again, uh, there's a lot of optimism that there will be with fo- football. Uh, sorry, one last thing about bowl games. No, please. I keep discovering new things. Uh, this is first reported by CBS Sports, but Nick Carparelli, he's the executive director of the Football Bowl Association, and he's submitting a waiver to the NCAA seeking to eliminate bowl eligibility requirements entirely. A uh, decision is expected uh, next week, as early as next week. Would that be forever or just for now? I think just for this year because of how weird it's been. But you could have some bowls that say, I don't care what your record is. We're going to set up some matchups. Because some of the Bulls look for, like, they want the sexiest matchup. I mean, some Bulls say, hey, well, look, we'll take whoever you bring us. We're happy to host them. Can't wait to have them here. But I think this year, I guess <laughs> there's a lot of Bulls who want the sexy matchups. There's other Bulls who don't care who they get. They just want somebody to host. This year, I think everybody's going to take anybody. Well, and that's I think what really you're going to get. Well, and you've got some conferences that are going to be playing ten games, some that are only playing eight. And what if you get a game that's canceled because of coronavirus, and you only play seven or six games, but you're still a pretty good team? Do you get held out? Do you, do you miss out on that opportunity? Yeah, that's a good point. So, yeah, I think I I'm in favor of that. You give them, uh, you know, give a one year waiver because it's weird. Everything's weird. And just say, hey, you know what? We know you're a good team. Uh, this could be an interesting matchup. Let's try to make it happen. Just want football. I don't care how we get it. I just want football. SEC is starting this weekend. Big Ten starts when? October 24th. Man, Pac-12 could have been in such good shape if they would have just got their crap together, which they did at one point and then lost it again. Uh, so they start with 24th. So Mount West Conference and Pac-12 look to be or hope to be starting around that time, I should say. 24th is what I think is the most, uh, is what I've heard the most, is the 24th. Whether that happens or not due to, you know, after these meetings will is, is yet to be told. And then the other question, Eric, is in regards to fans. You know, are fans going to be allowed to games percentages-wise for each school? Um that's another question that they have to have. I know BYU was in a uh, low-risk state where they were going to have fans, and, of course, things got out of hand in Utah County. Now they're at the point where there will be no fans for the first two home games. Uh, 
Man, if I'm Troy and all of a sudden Utah County is like one of the hot spots in the country, are I mean, you like excited? Yeah. Let's, let's go play BYU and uh, coronavirus. Well, I mean, you're coming down there for one game, right? If you leave, then, you know, get there the day before the game. You stay in a hotel. You stay in that hotel. Don't move. Don't go outside for any reason until you go for a game. You should be all right. Yeah, I, what are you bringing home with you? I guess that's always a question whenever you go to Provo. Yeah, well, jeez. Straight kitties. Oh, calm down, cougars. <laughs> Bringing home some cougars. Rawr. <laughs> what the hell was that? Jeez. All right. I don't know. You and that goo that you had last night. Hey, that lube goo. Hey, and it was blue, too, by the way. <laughs> Stop saying lube. That's it was what? just... Hey, it was. Goo. I saw. Hey, I see. I say it as I see it. I got to when I got home though, there were some questions to be answered. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's go to break. Hey, Bought it at a gas station. <laughs> that's all I'll tell you. Reggie, don't worry about it. <laughs> all right, let's go to break. Uh, coming back, Eric. How about this Miami Heat team led by a 20-year-old kid last wow. night? Wow. Tyler Hero puts on a show for the ages at his age, which is, I mean, that's a metaphorical and literal pun, if you will. Uh, Miami Heat have now a three-games-to-one lead over the Boston Celtics. Oh, and almost gave it away at the end there. Yeah, we're going to talk about that as well and what the reason is for these series leads being or disappearing these leads in games, big leads that have constantly disappeared. It's all coming up on the Full Court Press. That's Eric France and I'm Ajay Salveson. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Full Court Press, Eric France and Ajay Salveson. Thanks for joining us, however, wherever you're doing so. Uh, always a reminder and a kind, polite invite. If you want to join our show, 435-339-0321 to text in or 435-752-1069 to call in. Eric, we always talk about high school football and the RPI and how it's affected each team, but, man, there's some good top 10 matchups coming up in Regional 11 in other sports. Yeah, we've got some really good ones tonight. Uh, going on this afternoon, actually, we've got some volleyball games that started around 5 o'clock this afternoon. Mountain Crest is number two in the state in volleyball. Uh, they're hosting Logan, who's 19th. Uh, Skyview's number four, Ridgeline number 10. Big matchup there uh, going on in Smithfield this afternoon. And then later tonight, some soccer. Number eight, Ridgeline hosting number five, Logan. And then number four, Skyview hosting number nine, Mountain Crest. So, a lot of great soccer and volleyball going on in Region 11. So big matchups tonight. So best of luck, teams. Region I, 11. I remember when Mountain Crest soccer, when I was in high school, was the cream of the crop. Like they were number one every year. The crazy part is they didn't win. They didn't win a state championship despite being the number one seed. The four years I was there, they were the number one seed and couldn't win a state championship. It was it was just unreal. Uh, Eric, speaking of Unreal, how about this Miami Heat basketball team? And Totter doing a great job on the glass. He's got three rebounds now. He'll bring it down the floor, Totter. 
Drives on Kemba. Handoff to Bam and a two-hand jam by Bam. From here 42 40. I'm telling you, Totter. Now back with it comes Totter for three. Totter says enough of that. I'm going to do it from downtown. 18 for Totter and the Heat now up by five. Inbounding up top now to Hayward. Hayward goes right side. Three pointer can give him the lead. They turn the ball over. Good defense by Iguodala. Andre Iguodala to Butler right down the lane and a two hand jam. Defense to offense for Miami there. Butler on the left side, backs down Kemba Walker in the lane. Back to Tata Russell with a layup and in. And we'll get a timeout. Miami up 107-98. Tyler Hero takes the dish pass there from Jimmy Butler. He's got 35 and Miami on top 107-98. WAXY Heat Basketball Radio there uh, with the call. Good stuff. Final score. Miami Heat 112, Boston Celtics 109. Miami Heat now have, <laughs> I can't believe this, a three games to one series lead, all led by Mr. Tyler Harrow, who is the golden age of 20 years old. He's not even, I, he's 20 years old, man. 20. He's and, the only player born since 2000 to play uh, in these conference finals. Yeah, he's the youngest kid youngest. in the Eastern Conference Finals. and Everybody Eric, else was born in the 90s. And he's taken on grown A man, and he's taken him to the hoop. He had a uh, Heat rookie record last night, 37 points, uh, which was, I mean, he did it all in sorts of ways. Eric, uh, coming off the dribble on a curl for three, bang. Uh, Sidestep inside dribble to the arc, uh, just inside the perimeter, hits it. And then he has a one-on-one matchup with Kemba Walker. And by the way, anybody and everybody, like George Nyang, MP Jr., and Kemba Walker are the three most targeted people on the court when it comes to one-on-one matchups. <laughs> and Tyler Harrow pegged Kemba Walker every time and took him to the rim. Uh, and he, I mean, just in some of the moves that he had going to the rim were incredible. One with a, uh, you know, a left-handed uh, scoop shot. The other one where he, all, in a hesitation dribble, at the left elbow, then went by Kemba Walker. Bam Bam, or not Bam Bam, excuse me, Tatum was there to meet him, so he goes underneath the hoop and reverses with the right. Like, this kid is good, and he's smooth, and he's silky. And the biggest thing about it, that the players continually said last night for Miami, and so did Coach Bolstra, is that they're just confident every time he has the ball. And he says, that's something you're not used to seeing in a rookie. Uh, it was unreal, uh, just how he just kept, Pouring it on, kept making things happen. Thought, okay, this is great, but eventually it's going to wear off. Nope. <laughs> you know, and, and it's, maybe there's a benefit here from some of these younger players who he's not that far removed from playing in small gyms like that and playing at AAU and playing in tournaments. So uh, maybe it it it's becoming more natural for a guy like that in that kind of a setting. But that being said, I mean these NBA players have been there now for three months. So, uh, um, unreal performance by Hero. Un, uh, unforeseen, I'll say that. We didn't really see that no, coming. No, heavens no. But look, I mean, he's a good role player. And Eric, this is a guy who came off the bench and did that. He didn't start last night. He came off the bench. Butler with 24, Drodrick with 22, and Bam Bam dealing with some shoulder issue or soreness or whatever it is. Had well, his, yeah, it his, looked like his, his wrist. wrist was hurting too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he had 20 and 12. Game five is Friday night. That game is at seven o'clock. Yeah, is it four or seven? Seven o'clock. I'll let you look this time, so I don't have to verify it a second time. Do you have Eric? I want. I, I want to ask this. I know we've harped it on a lot. 
Do you have the minutes of the starters for Boston by chance with you? Yep. Let's hear it. So Jason Tatum, 39. Tice was 30. Walker was 34. Smart was 36. And Jalen Brown, 40. What was the highest bench minutes? Hayward played 30 off the bench. Boy, Hayward was bad. Hayward was not good. He wasn't quite as good. I mean, he was 4 for 9, 14 points, 7 boards, 3 assists. But, uh, yeah, I think he he wasn't quite as impactful as he was in Game 3. But still, I mean, he, he adds another element coming off the bench that they haven't had. So I don't know if I'd say that he was bad. But he hasn't helped them. Like, has he improved this team from where they're at in games one, two, or I guess games three he was pretty good, but game one and two, have you seen a significant improvement where they're, where he's actually capable of helping his team win a ball game? Probably not yet to that degree, other than he gives some of the other starters minutes where they can stay on the bench a little bit longer. Yeah, again, as you mentioned, uh, Tatum led all scores, or not he lead all scores, uh, for Boston, he had 28. And that all came in the second half. Yeah. He took Gosh, too long he was to get incredible. Cooking. But when I mean, he got going, though, that was impressive. Yeah. Like, I mean, Harrow, excuse me, not Harrow, Hero, uh, Hero nearly put that game away by himself. Tatum kept the Celtics in it by himself. He had 28. And again, as you said, all in the second half. Uh, they, they, again, and Eric, you mentioned this just before the break, the Heat have this double digit lead. And again, we see another team. Lose a double-digit lead. Celtics did it already twice in the series. Well, what is going on? Even one of the last bites that you played there, it was when Miami went up 107-98. to 98. And by then, you're thinking, ah, this game's, game's done. Over. Yeah. Game's over. But, man, give, give credit to Boston for still trying to you know, make a game of it all the way to the very end. That's why you never give up. They were, kept giving themselves chances. But... Uh, yeah, I don't. With all the extra timeouts and reviews, and uh, t- you know the, the extra time the TV takes, uh, and then the refs go and review again. Oh, <laughs> they dude, consult it just each took other. Forever. It, it takes forever to finish a game in the NBA bubble. Yeah, Brown. Uh, they were up by 19 at one point. Then they got a cut down to six. Brown's three pointer with about 16 seconds left, give or take. Uh, cut it to three. That's when Tyler Hero goes to the line. And knocks down, like, as cool as a cucumber, knocks down a pair of freebies. Uh, gets it back to five. They get it back to two twice. Does the Celtics. And then Butler hits a, makes a, misses the first, but makes a second free throw. And then Boston doesn't get a shot off. And, and that does it. 112 again. 112-109. The Heat beat the Celtics. And now have a three games to one lead in this series. Eric, in this series, what has surprised you the most thus far? That is the result of where the series is now. I'll I'll be honest. I'm just just totally surprised by the the. It's hard to call them role players anymore for Miami because before it was just Jimmy Butler and a lot of guys you probably couldn't name. Uh, and Bam Adebayo certainly has come on this year and has become more and more of a household name. But Goran Dragic, yeah, Goran Dragic, yeah. I mean, he, he's been on fire. He's been excellent for Miami. Um, and so it, it's just this, and certainly not, I don't think anybody saw a hero coming, but, um, that's this Miami team is just scrappy. <laughs> They're hard nosed. Uh, they don't give up uh, and they continue to attack and make things happen. So 
Well, I have to give a lot of credit to Eric Spolstra and what he's gotten out of these guys. By the way, you talked about Jason Tatum. His 0 for 6 first half start was the second worst of his career to open a half. He also had an 0 for 8 start against Dallas on November 11th and 0 for 6 against Milwaukee on uh, in the first two quarters on April 17th, two years ago. That was in 18. He was 0 for 6. So, not not a good start for him, but again, he, he kept his team in it in the second half, though, because Tyler Hero was putting that thing away, and Tatum kept bringing him back from, from the dead. It was impressive stuff from Tatum, but like you said, it just took too dang long. You can't take that long against a team like this. Yeah, yeah. No, you you got to find a way to, to, to keep it closer and to give yourself a shot. Um, manufacture points and get to the line. Attack the rim. Make the Watch that ball go through the hoop in some way. Uh, to uh, get yourself back into a groove. It took him a little too long to get that going. Another problem I... Uh, the Boston just had too many turnovers, too. 19 turnovers. Miami Heat didn't have their first turnover, or, yeah, first turnover of the half until the fourth quarter with 315 remaining. Their first turnover of the half was with 315 remaining in the game. In the second half, I should say. That's incredible. Uh, that is incredible. Meanwhile, Boston had 19 turnovers. A chunk of them recorded, uh, happened in the in the second half. Uh, I believe, let's see here, six, no, five happened in the fourth quarter, resulting in a run from Miami. By the way, I think that was a 12-2 run from Miami, uh, which ballooned that lead from 8-17. to 17. And then, of course, the Celtics made a run at it, tried to make it close, and fall short. And, by the way, the people, the Boston Celtics fan, who are saying, well, uh, Tony Brothers and Scott Foster are the reason we're struggling right now. Free throw was 17-21 was for Boston, 24-27 for Miami Heat. And five or six of those free throws occurred within the last 13 seconds, so that's not going to work. <laughs> yeah, it's skewed. Okay, so if you're Boston, Eric, and you're down three games to one, I know a lot of people are saying, look, this series is over, but look, we've like we've danced this dance too many times already in the playoff bubble alone, so I'm not going to go there. If you're Boston, what adjustments do you need to make in Game 5? Well, look, uh, Boston played the played Toronto to a long series. Um, they, they should know, uh, and they understand making adjustments and digging deep and making uh, uh, doing what's necessary. Uh, to get back into it, um, I, I I wouldn't count this Boston team out. I think they've got a lot of depth. I think that Gordon Hayward, the more that he's there with his team, the better he's going to be, and the more impactful he'll be. I don't think he's like their golden ticket. They can't totally rely on him, but this uh, you know you, you can't let the twenty year old off the bench go for thirty seven on you. I mean that's. You can't let that happen. That's been one of the questions for uh, for the uh, the Heat is you know who is that other guy? Butler's going to bring intensity every week on a bio or every game on a bio is going to be impactful. Who's that third option? And Goran Goran Dragic is usually that guy, but not always. I mean, Duncan Robinson has had some games mm-hmm. where he's played really well. Hero's always been pretty good off the bench, but certainly nothing like what we saw last night. So 
you know, it's uh, taking away that third option uh, that uh, Boston's got to be more keen on. I'm with you. Uh, you got to find a way, and I know it sounds weird, but you got to find a way to slow, slow down Tyler because this guy isn't just like a one-game phenomenon. I mean, he's been pretty good all bubble playoff long. And he actually was good in the the restart of the bubble too. It's just that he scored 37 against Boston to help cling him to a three games to one lead. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, this Tyler kid's amazing. And then you see highlights of his high school career and whatever. And you're like, uh, he's been good the whole entire time. Why are you just catching on here though? Well, he put 22 on the Celtics in game three. Yeah, and no one said a word. Yeah. But then he puts up 37 in a career high and everyone's freaking out all of a sudden. Uh, you got to find a way to slow down the bench, and I'm with you. I, I just think this bench has been so good for Miami. It has taken waste to Boston's bench, with the exception of Gordon Hayward, who's been okay. Um, they Boston just doesn't have enough help after the starters. It's almost a drop off it to some degree. Like, and then the other thing problem is, is and you mentioned this already, Eric. Jason Tatum can't start slow. He's got to start fast. He's got to start quick, because then everyone kind of follows that that trend. Jalen Brown's got to be less selfish. I feel like Jalen Brown took some bad shots at times. Uh, Kemba Walker's got to be more aggressive. I still don't think he's aggressive enough yet. Well, I thought he was. I, I thought Kemba Walker was okay. Uh, I thought Marcus Smart was putting up a lot of shots that just yeah weren't he's always been the great wild looks. All, yeah, he's been wild he's, the whole entire. He's playoff. kind of a wild card. If he's hitting, man, watch out. He's on fire and he's hard to stop. But, but if he's not, not, not even close to being. Yeah, it was three for twelve. Uh, I mean, he does a lot of other things. He's still an impact player when he's on the court, but he's he's got to find offense to help his team. They need him offensively. Unless Gordon is going to pick up more of the offensive possession, and then Marcus Smart can focus more defensively. But what's worked for Boston is having a, a, an offensive-minded Marcus Smart. Yeah, I think Marcus Smart tries to put too much on him when he there's no reason to do that. Not with the talent you have on the court. Absolutely no reason. And another thing, like, as good as Thais is offensively, and he's not even that good, he just, there's so much attention on Walker and Smart and Tatum that Thais is just ignored all the time. Well, Thais is just cleanup duty. But the problem is that he's so bad defensively. I feel like Bam Bam's cooking him. I feel like Jimmy Butler got him good, too. And then Kemba Walker, as good as he is offensively, was really bad defensively yesterday. Really, do you have the plus minus by the way on any of those starters? Uh, yeah. Which ones you want to know? Uh, give me Boston, will ya? Tatum was minus six. Okay. Tice was minus fourteen. Oh jeez. Walker was minus ten. Smart was plus one, and Brown was plus one. Okay, so here's the thing. And by the way, Gordon Hayward off the bench was a plus eight. Was he really? The thing with Tyson Walker is simply to the fact that they, 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 they're in the minus category because they can't play defense and their own guys cooking them, or they're getting beat by somebody else. Like they're a problem defensively, and it's killing the Celtics because then someone has to double off. That's why Hero. That's why Drogic is getting great looks. That's why and I mean Jimmy Butler's not getting good looks. He has to create on his own practically because they're I mean they're they're mauling him. They have to. But you got all these other guys getting really good looks because Ties is getting beat, so they have to send a double, and they and they don't want to, and it's killing them. And another thing, last night, by the way, we saw that two three zone come up again from Miami. Like for some reason, all of a sudden, like the two three zone's a thing in the NBA. I just wonder who the first team to break it's going to be. 
because L.A. had trouble with it. Boston had a trouble with it, except for Tatum. But, I mean, it was almost like they were playing a zone, but you had a, like a box and one on Tatum. Well, the thing with this Miami team, I'm just, again, I think this illustrates what I was seeing on the on the court, too, is that they're, they're sharing the ball. They don't really, they don't care. It, it's a very much a team concept. Um. Adebayo had four assists. Butler had three assists. Crowder had three. Dragic had three. Robinson had two. Um, Hero had three. So it's a lot of guys that are sharing the ball, and it's not hero ball. It's not, give it to me. I'm going to try to make something happen. Get out of my way. Now, Boston did have more assists, more team assists, but I just... It yeah, feels but again, like I don't think Miami's more of slinging it around a little. So bit So there's more. a difference in like the way an assist looks. I feel like it can be deceiving. You bring up a really solid point. Yeah, they had more assists, but the ball movement on Miami was much better. You remember the play? It was in the fourth quarter. A pass to Iggy. Iggy throws a touch pass to Bam, who throws it in the corner to Tyler, who hits a three. It was Bam, 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 three ball, good. On the other side, it's uh, a swing to the wing to Brown. He holds the ball for three seconds, gives inside to Dice, who throws, you know, who holds it for a bit and then throws a bounce pass to someone who finally cuts to the hoop to get a layup. That's an assist. That counts as an assist. Doesn't mean it's good ball movement, though. Miami had great ball movement all second, I mean, actually, excuse me, all game long. They had good ball movement. Some of it was too unselfish and it resulted in a turnover or result in a skipped good look to a worse look just because they thought there was a better look and there wasn't. They are being a little bit too unselfish. Boston's got to get that ball moving back. They're good enough to be able to swing the ball and move the ball around to get a great look because there's too many good shooters. You've got to move the ball and not let it stick, though, and too much of that's going on like you said already. Yeah, and I've heard other people say this. that uh, And, you know, when you just sit back and just kind of watch how it plays out, that Miami team has a lot of similarities to the Golden State Warriors. Now, they don't have the shooters quite like they did, but the way that they move the ball around, the way that they have the cutting and and the superior ball movement, there's a lot of similarities to Golden State. All right, let's go to break. By the way, breaking news right now. Pac-12 media advisory set for 5 p.m. Pacific time. That's 6 p.m. our time. Of course. Son of a... Just as we go off the air. They'll discuss the outcome of President's meeting. Expectation is legal announce a season starting, Eric, October 31st or November 7th. Hold tight. The Full Court Press. The Aggies are number one here. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. But here's the question, Eric. Full court press start France and Andre Salveson. Would you be willing, if you're Utah, if that final game for BYU is on the 21st, so you're having to look at the 28th, are you willing to say, oh yeah, let's interrupt our conference schedule to go play our rival, BYU, and then go back into conference play? I felt like that irritated Coach Anderson a little bit about playing a couple conference games, going to play LSU, just getting it handed to them, Going back into conference play, I don't think coaches are a huge fan of that. Would you be willing to do that if, if you're Utah? Uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe it's not that day. Maybe it's 
at the end. Maybe Utah gets their conference games in, and then that's their final game of their regular season. Get all the, but then it depends when the Pac-12 championship is, though. Yeah. And if they're in it. If they're in it, and you still got to play BYU, I, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm sitting every single starter. I know that game means a lot to the Utah Utes, but you've won it for 10 straight years. One-year loss isn't going to really mean anything if you're getting ready for the Pac-12 championship game and a spot either in the playoff or the Rose Bowl. Right? Like, I, I, I know it's shaky, and Utah fans care, and they should. BYU fans, that's their national championship game since 1984. Uh, Bill Riley, obviously very close to the pulse of what's going on at the University of Utah. Absolutely. Says he's guessing for the six games plus one model that could be announced today. Mm. That that would really surprise me, to be honest. Really surprise me. Why? But you know, maybe they do it just to uh, because of a shorter timeline. They're not able to get in as many games. Hey, uh, by the way, we're gonna take another break here in just a bit. But Jeff or. Yeah, Jeff Grammer of uh, New Mexico, great, great writer. We found him on the show a couple times, wonderful human being. Says, uh, in the COVID update presser in New Mexico, the governor used college ability to test regularly as an example of why youth and high school sports can't practice, but she never specifically said college sports can practice in groups of 10 or more. He said he asked for clarification. The governor said, as we're seeing successful COVID-safe practices for both college sports around the country and for professional sports, it's because they have a really strict set of COVID-safe practices, including significant testing, rapid point-of-care testing. Um, so if someone has COVID, they're not allowed to practice. And you are very clear about social contracts, and they can really hold you accountable because you are living at that university or, you are part, or you're a part of a professional team. That's a much harder environment. I can tell you we won't have the bandwidth to provide a point-of-care rapid testing for high school sports to every single or U sports uh, in this state. So... A little bit more eased off the uh, off the gas pedal or off the brake for New Mexico college sports, but we'll see what happens. We're gonna take a break. Coming back, we'll wrap it up here on the Full Court Press. Win a 65-inch 4K flat-screen TV from Lens Audio Video in the Preps Pick'em Contest presented by The Logo Shop. Sign up to play at 1069thefan.com. Pick the weekly winners of each high school game, and you could win one of 11 weekly prizes and be entered to win the grand prize TV. Go to 1069thefan.com, and you could win. It's the Preps Pick'em Contest on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Interviews, analysis, and a little bit of fun mixed in. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Full Court Press, Eric France and Ajay Salveson. We're getting you ready to get you out of here. Pac-12 will be uh, making an announcement or at least talk about their meeting. John Wilner reporting, according to a source, the Pac-12 has voted to play. We'll see if more sources reveal something similar in the next hour. They're supposed to make it official at 6 our time. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. If I told you a performance in the bubble was going to be compared to Magic Johnson's 42-point game in the 1980 finals, I'm not sure you would have picked Tyler Hero. But the Heat guard had a historic night, leading Miami past the Celtics 
Hero, who was just 20, scored 37 points in the 112-109 victory. We really had no idea how good he was after just one year at Kentucky, but he's been great all season long. And like several other young players, he's taken that next step towards stardom in the bubble. Hero's a tough guy to cover. He's big for a guard and quick, but what makes him special? He's not afraid. He's got poise, and he doesn't seem to feel any pressure at all at this stage. That's the best thing about the playoffs. You never know who's going to step up. In Game 4 last night, Tyler Hero made his mark for one of the greatest performances we've ever seen from a rookie in the postseason. I think the Celtics would agree. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.